0: Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four year university that centers on mentor driven, Bible based, debt free higher education. Visit us at cvcu.us to see how we are taking back education for the next generation. If you're new to the show, be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the toxic traits of traditional education, establishing healthy communication patterns, and navigating the multi-generational marketplace. Pastors, if you'd like to play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, go to ARM, the Academic Rescue Mission.com and click the Start an Academy tab. Parents, you can join us for church-based support classes, our annual conference, or our degree programs. You can learn more at cvcu.us, and don't forget to check out our visit day coming up this month. I'm very excited about today's interview. We have with us John Stamper. who's the author of the book, Conflicted, Pulling Back the Curtain on Public Education. John taught in Chicago's public school system for 13 years and finally just couldn't take it anymore. And on today's show, he's going to share about that tipping point as well as a whole lot more inspiring information. John now teaches physical education, strength and conditioning, and geocaching at masterbooksacademy.com. He's a homeschool grad and achieved a bachelor's degree in elementary ed, special ed, and PE in health, as well as a master's degree in leadership and sports management. John, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me thank you for that introduction.
0: We are so excited to share your story today. Tell us a little bit about your homeschool experience growing up. What are some things you learned about education, family, life in general from the homeschool process?
1: Well, sure. I was uh, homeschooled in small town, rural Indiana in the early nineties, but the greatest impression homeschooling left on me was to prioritize God's word. Mm -hmm. That's what prompted my parents to homeschool my siblings and me. And that was certainly the impression it left on me. Um, you know, we had lots of time together every day, and we had freedom to just live our lives. So we went to church, we visited our grandparents, we helped them cut their grass, mm-hmm. helped out family members whenever they needed it throughout the year. But life uh, as a homeschooler really revolved around church, family, and work. You know, we had a lot of land in rural Indiana, and you know, our days were filled with chores, which we shared as a family. So. Um, just a really great experience that I had as a homeschooler.
0: Yeah, really, really terrific. What are some maybe standout homeschool memories for you as a family?
1: Um, well, generally I would say just the freedom that we had. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we usually finished our schoolwork in an hour or two and then we had to do chores. You know, we grew up on 50 acres of farmland and woods so there was endless amounts of sticks to be picked up <laughs> endless amount of weeding and this and that. My parents were geniuses at, uh, you know, making sure we were busy and working and taking care of the house. So, uh, and after that, after that, the chores were done, uh, you know, we could have some free time. We played sports. I had two older brothers and an older sister. Um, we built rockets, we climbed trees, things like that. But, um, more specifically, I remember taking a lot of road trips with my family to visit family in other states. Um, and being able to either do our our schoolwork ahead of time or on the road, which I thought was really cool,
0: yeah, so fantastic, just so so opposite to what a lot of American kids sadly experience when they're on their scholastic journey so much more like pre-industrial era education and I love that our readers, our listeners know that i'm I'm super passionate about that. So you went from this incredibly free homeschool environment into teaching for Chicago public schools and tell us what it was like. I just imagined the culture shock of going from this amazing freedom into this, um, kind of the antithesis of freedom in many ways, but talk about that experience and then what the tipping point was for you when you just felt like I can't do this anymore.
1: Right. Well, to be clear, um, I taught for 13 years, And my last year, my 13th year was with Chicago Public Schools. Before that, uh, I generally loved my career. I taught in Indiana. I taught Tennessee, some public and private schools, and generally loved my job. I had never experienced like what I experienced in Chicago Public Schools. Mm. But uh, in 2020 and 2021, that was right at the beginning of COVID, the year COVID hit and all the schools were shut down. That was my first year and only year with Chicago Public Schools. So we started remote until march of that school year so for the first you know two two two-thirds of that school year i never met a student didn't meet colleagues you know nothing was in person well generally that was just a painful experience but in the fall of that school year we had to complete all the teachers in the district had to complete mandatory teacher training and this is nothing new teachers do this every year sometimes a couple times a year And typically it's about maybe a new law that's been passed or, uh, you know, if you cut your finger, how to dispose of the Band-Aid, things like that. Mm -hmm. But this year, you would have thought we would have been trained on how to manage a virtual classroom. We've never done that before. Mm -hmm. That would have been helpful. But instead, the training topics were preferred, preferred pronouns, how to support trans students, the gender unicorn, which teaches kindergartners about all the different genders you can be and intersecting identities, which is a doctrine Mm -hmm. taken from critical race theory. Uh, So, you know, these things, the gender theory, intersectionality, these things were presented as fact Mm -hmm. and not theory. The school was saying, this is what we're doing. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, you know, and they were sexualizing kids at five years old and keeping these intimate details from parents. So that was my tipping point. Um, You know, as the title of my book, Conflicted, says, I really didn't know what to do in the moment. It took me some time. Yeah. It took me a couple months, really, of prayer and talking with my wife and, you know, kind of remembering my parents' example before I kind of knew what to do. But I'll stop right there and let you interject.
0: No, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. And I know for a lot of parents, that was the year of the wake-up call because we had been talking about what was being taught in the public school system. But Everything was really exposed that year. And so, and just like you, a lot of parents felt conflicted. A lot of teachers felt conflicted. Um, You know, a lot of parents say they want to send their kids into the schools to be missionaries, salt and light. But we look at that ROI, only 15% of kids from Christian homes are surviving public school with their faith intact. Um, And really, obviously, a very aggressive anti-faith, anti-family attack, as you saw uh, firsthand, really. You talk about in your book about how today's educational system exalts teachers it exalts the school board and the school system above the parents, which is perfectly exemplified in what you just said keeping secrets from parents, you know, having all these closed door discussions about how they're how teachers are going to shape the culture of the future without the parents, you know, knowledge. So obviously just a lot of evil going on there. What were some direct examples you saw of this reversed hierarchy where where parents were at the bottom and the school system itself was really um, was really pushing the uh, the envelope there?
1: Right. Well, one example taken directly from my teacher training was of an actual eighth grade student that we had in our school system who was out as trans at school, but not to their parents at home. Mm-hmm. And this is something the teachers, administrators all knew about and were keeping from the parents. And that was the model that we were to follow should we encounter a, a trans student you know, during the school day. Uh, so to me, I mean, I had a number of issues with that, but I certainly didn't wanna undermine the the parents, the family, right? As well as I didn't want to encourage or lie to that student, you know, affirming their quote unquote trans identity. But that was one example from my school. And then, I mean, across the country in the last few years, we've started to see parental secrecy policies where schools actually have policies that say, uh, we're not going to tell the parents unless the child gives us permission that they're trans or, you know, they're coming out at school or anything like that. But Parental secrecy policies going on around the country. Not to mention, if you guys remember, in 2021, uh, the National School Board Association in their infamous letter to President Biden, they wrote to President Biden asking him to deploy, you know, the FBI, Homeland Security to school board meetings, calling parents domestic terrorists. Right. Mm-hmm. So you see this not only in my school, but nationwide, and the you know the DOJ backed that. So nationwide, there is this. Like you said, this reversed hierarchy where parents are just being not even excluded, but attacked, you know, labeled as terrorists. So, um, I mean, yeah, and so, I mean, you, your listeners don't know my story, but you you know a little bit of my story. Knowing how important parents were in my life and the impact that my parents had, I certainly didn't want to undermine my students' parents, you know, my students' parents are their primary educator. I'm not, they are. So to undermine them was a direct violation of my faith and my conscience.
0: Yeah. So powerful. This war of the, the, the jurisdiction over children, you know, the state constantly saying they belong to the state and parents and the Bible being very clear that our parents belong to us. And the parents have Deuteronomy six, six mandate to train up our children, to talk about the word with our children along the highways and the byways everywhere we go in life. And if our if our mm-hmm. kids are outsourced to some other entity for eight hours a day, and then another three hours of homework, we lose in just sheer volume of influence there. But I think the evil that's being exposed, I thank God that, that it is being exposed. People like you are telling their stories and people are, parents are awakening to, sadly, you know, the, the sweet little neighborhood school that they thought was so, you know, we have people in California who move to districts here because they, they heard the school district was good. And then they get there and peel back the veneer and find out, no, it's, it's very anti-faith, anti-family across the board. So tell us about the impetus for your latest book, Conflicted pulling back the curtain on public education. What was that all about?
1: Well, the main, the main motivation was to warn teachers and parents and families of how these ideologies were being snuck into classrooms, you know, through the back door or behind the curtain. You know, right now as we sit in, you know, the fall of 2023, these things are not so much a secret anymore. They're pretty much in your face. Right. So, the inspiration for my book was really just to warn teachers and parents and give them information so that they can make decisions moving forward whether they're going to stay in public school or leave, which I recommended, and for teachers too. Uh, Because in my experience, I mean, I taught for 13 years. I went through many, many trainings. And now in hindsight, looking back, there were a lot of times where I just didn't know what I was looking at. Mm. Right. I couldn't see the forest for the trees. We had a policy come through, but I didn't know the history of that policy. And that's something I've really learned recently. But, you know, I think a lot of teachers and parents just didn't know what was happening, you know. So that was really the... uh, driving force behind my book.
0: Yeah, that's really so powerful. When we talk with pastors asking them to open their empty church buildings during the week to homeschoolers, take in, you know, a couple hundred homeschoolers to get them out of public school, give them an alternative. A lot of pastors tell us they're, they're fearful about offending teachers in their community, teachers in their congregation. And obviously, you know, teachers have this wake up call. We're, we're exposed. I mean, obviously I'm a 25 year, you know, a veteran of education myself. And I understand that, um, you know, you, you can see policy come through and not really be clear on the, the damage of it. But at some point we were exposed to this reality. And of course, now, like you said, we, we hear this all around us. It's no longer, you know, it's been so exposed. It's so in the light now that we really are at a place where educators have to make a, have to make a decision and, What's been exciting for me to see is as churches have opened their doors and drawn in the community, which many kids are just asking, please homeschool me. I'm getting bullied at school. I don't want to be at school anymore. And as as pastors begin to open their doors, we see teachers finding the freedom to be able to leave their, their school district, yeah. leave that pagan indoctrination system and be able to work in the church teaching kids uh, of the congregation. And so it's a really exciting thing that we see happening across the nation right now. What is it John that you hope when a reader picks up your book, conflicted and and reads it cover to cover, what is what's that one big action step or one or two big steps that you hope they'll either be caused to think to to believe to do or behave differently in?
1: Well, I think if you if you are seeking the Lord and he's guiding you and you take a principle, you take a biblical stand, whatever it is, wherever you are, that you can trust God, that he's going to protect you and keep you and see you through. You know, if you're a parent, you can trust that what you do matters and that your kids are going to remember why you do what you do, okay? So that's really the, the big message that I want to share through my book is I share my personal experience and my parents' story and, you know, how 30 years after they decided to homeschool my siblings and me, I, had, I faced a conflict of faith you know, on my job. And I was able to reflect on what my parents did 30 years prior. So that should hopefully encourage teachers and parents that what you do matters um, in front of your kids.
0: Yeah, it's so powerful. Obviously, what we tolerate today, the next generation is going to embrace. Um, You know, it's we really are the pace setters and the that's such a powerful example of you being able to draw on your own upbringing to be able to make that determination. Well, you're also doing some coaching with Masterbooks and Masterbooks is one of the few curricula we haven't actually interviewed on the show. So I know you're not the representative, but you're certainly doing some work with them. So tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're doing and what that looks like on the Masterbooks end.
1: Right. So looking back, you can kind of see, or I can, how God kind of orchestrated things for me. So um, I create various physical education courses, but they're all online. So they're, they're video based. Um, there is, uh, you know, paperwork element, you know, PDFs you can print off and things like that, but it all started in March of 2020 when schools went remote, I was still teaching in Indiana. Um, so I wanted to create lessons online that my students could access and kind of, uh, you know, not, not miss anything for the rest of the school year. But then I realized the whole country is in the same situation. Let me just make a website. And I turned it into a little homeschool curriculum business. Um, and that was 2020. So then the following year, when things didn't work out with Chicago Public Schools, I pitched my courses to Masterbooks. And they said, you know what? We've been looking for something like this. And I partnered with Masterbooks at that time. So a year prior, God was already you know, putting things in place and orchestrating events. And I had no idea what was coming down the mm-hmm. pipeline with Chicago Public Schools. But God knew uh, so that's just one example as a teacher, right? I'm not, a, I'm almost a parent or I am a parent. That's right, we're you're a parent. My, we're expecting my <laughs> first child, um, my <laughs> wife and I in, in February. So I think you can call me a parent. Of but, course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a teacher, I was a teacher for 13 years. Um, so I can speak to teachers as well,
0: Yeah. you know. So how does that work? And how would a parent find those resources? If it if, if, do you primarily serve individual parents or pods and schools, or what does that look like?
1: right so um masterbooks has kind of like two parts there's masterbooks curriculum which is textbooks you know they ship it to workbooks things like that and then then there's the masterbooks academy which is relatively new that's their online portion and it's largely you know video driven so anyone in the world uh can use the masterbooks curriculum actually at the conference where you and i met there was a mom there who used masterbooks so she and i got to talk And we have students and families all over the world that use Masterbooks. So anyone can do it. Just go to masterbooks.com or masterbooksacademy.com.
0: And they can search your name and find your course.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Under courses, you'll find John Stamper on the left column. And you'll see all those courses you mentioned earlier, PE, geocaching, strength and conditioning.
0: Talk about geocaching. What's it been like teaching that course?
1: So geocaching, for those who don't know, is like a worldwide treasure hunt. It's (laughs) been around for over 20 years. It's really fun. Um, it's a short course. It's only about nine weeks. So it's like great for the summer, but it's really family oriented. The whole family can participate in anywhere you go anywhere in the world. You can do this. Right? If you stop the car at a rest stop, there's probably what they call a cache, which is like the little treasure you find. They're all over your community. I guarantee you, no matter where you live. So um, if you like being outdoors, searching, hunting, reading maps, uh, geocaching is a really cool course. Cool idea.
0: Love it. Love the creativity there. Yeah, we yeah. did that with our with our oldest when he was little. What um, what's been maybe a big aha moment for you as an educator, either on the other side of the scholastic fence where you are now, or even as you were um, before you got into the into the Chicago public schools where everything kind of blew up? Uh, what's been kind of one of those memorable moments for you as an educator?
1: Well, I'll answer first your aha moment. Mm-hmm. So since I've really left teaching in public school, and have focused on homeschooling and things like that, I've really, my eyes have really opened to the history of the public education system, Mm -hmm. how it started here in America, even before America, you know, and how I kind of touched on it earlier, how I was really participating in ungodly things Mm -hmm. that I had no idea where they came from. Like for example, the sex ed curriculum and, Mm the influence of Alfred Kinsey and John Money, yeah. right? I knew very little about those two, mm-hmm. but their influence is so heavy. And then Horace Mann, John Dewey, yeah. basically trying to remove God from education. These are things that I really knew very little, if anything, about. So that has been a big uh, experience, a meaningful experience for me is just really learning from people like you um, who have been doing this longer than me and are smarter than me. There's really so much that I don't know about education. And I was participating in it for 13 years.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And we sever that yoke when we're unequally yoked with an ungodly entity, and we sever that yoke and we place ourselves under the fountain of God's blessing. And that's definitely what you've done. What are some words of wisdom you'd share with parents as a second generation homeschooler, which is pretty cool.
1: Right. So I'll just kind of repeat what I said earlier. Um, What my parents did in my life, the stand that they took, to um to homeschool my siblings and me it was to prioritize the word of god you know they were scared my dad was an iron worker my mom was a stay-at-home mom a housewife and they felt ill equipped to, ho- to homeschool four kids young kids but they they did you know they trusted god god said i'm gonna provide for you and god did so and what they did mattered and i told you and i left chicago public schools that was a hard situation for me i was conflicted this was my career You know, I didn't want to just give that up, but I remembered what my parents did, that they prioritized the word of God and that never left me. Okay. And that made a difference for me. And I'm not here to lift myself up, but I'm just, I'm here to say that parents, what you do matters, especially when you're taking a biblical stand. Your kids are going to remember that. I don't remember hardly any of the projects that I did as a homeschooler, Mm -hmm. right? All the little assignments, but I remember the big picture of what my parents did and why they did it. So, That's something, parents, that you can stand on. If you're scared, if you're nervous, you're unsure, you can trust God. That's the one thing you can't trust is you can trust him and his word because it's true.
0: Really powerful, John. Tell us again where listeners can learn more about your products and services.
1: Sure. You can find my courses uh, on masterbooksacademy.com. You can find my book at masterbooks.com backslash conflicted. Also on Amazon. You can listen to my podcast, The State of State Schools, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can check out my personal website, johnstamper.org.
0: Phenomenal. John, thank you so much for being with us today. What a joy.
1: Thank you, Lisa. You're the best. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, our local answer to the global crisis in education is Chula Vista Christian University, and through our inquiry-based model, we founded 32 K-12 to homeschool academies across the U.S., and we are literally watching culture shift. You can learn more about that at cvcu.us or the theacademicrescuemission.com to arm your congregation against pagan indoctrination. Don't forget to check out my latest book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution. You'll find all my blogs, books, and podcasts at cvcu.us. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn. Thanks for joining us on today's show, and I'll be back next week with more tips and tools of the trade. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at DrLisaDunn or via email to contact at DrLisaDunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-M-E dot com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.